0: Hello, party people! This is the Just Ideas podcast. My name's Andy, I'm with Andy, and these are Just Ideas. In today's episode, we tell you the only two type of people selling real estate, we tell you the only three types of movies anybody ever watches, and we get to discuss Andy Urich's favorite book, Babbitt by Sinclair Lewis. This McIntyre story comes from 10 years ago. McIntyre Jr. is at college, but not just any college, he's at OSU. And he's taken Dr. Andy Urich's B-law class, and he was assigned the book Babbitt. And he calls his dad McIntyre, and he says, Dad, have you ever read Babbitt? And McIntyre goes, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. It's a little boring, isn't it? And Jr. says, it's the worst. Nothing ever happens. It's just about some real estate guy living his life. Now you're in this story, Dr. Eric. What do you think about Babbitt?
1: It's my favorite book ever.
0: (laughs) I I, I I
1: love, I love Babbitt. I, I was um, reading years and years and years ago. um, You know, I was reading to keep myself out of trouble and I started reading, you know, any sort of classic novel that I could make my way through and uh, Babbitt is my absolute favorite, and I made my business law classes read it for about 20 years. Uh,
0: what was the idea there? What, um, what about Babbitt makes it so special?
1: I'm going to tell you in a minute, but before I do, I would like to digress for a minute, if I could, to uh, talk about hell. Okay, live we, from hell. Yeah, because we, um, we had our podcast where I'm selling my idea that we're living in hell. Yep. And, now, and now I get obsessed with these ideas and every time I come across something. So there's a lot of articles floating around now because everybody's stressed because this is in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, right? Yep. And I read yep. this article about uh, stress, stress management. And the, what it says is that um, most of the things that's, that you're told to do for stress management don't actually walk, don't, don't actually work. Okay. But the ones that we choose to do to alleviate stress actually cause more stress. So the worst things you can do for stress are gambling, shopping, smoking, drinking, eating, playing video games, surfing the internet, and watching TV. (laughs) So that, that all sounds like good stress relievers. That wouldn't, now, if I designed the planet, this is how you'd relieve stress, man. You look oh, stressed. Dude. I know got to go gambling and shop, probably going to do a little <laughs> smoking and drinking
0: when That's I run so out wealthy. of money, I'm going to eat and play video games. You might've convinced everyone because people are already doing that. So I think they'll sign up real quick now.
1: Yeah. And you know, and, and I can show that even we have small minds because I guess if I created life on the planet, I would just skip stress. <laughs> yeah, you just get rid of it all together. There you go. Back to, but the purpose of today is to talk about Babbitt. So the reason I love Babbitt is um, it, it's it's f- phenomenally clever. All right. So okay. you know, as we always do, we spend a good seven minutes preparing for our podcast. So in the seven minutes, <laughs> I opened up my book of Babbitt, looked at about two different pages, and decided to read you this. But here's how the book goes. His name is George F. Babbitt. He is 46 years old now in April, 1920. And he made nothing in particular, neither butter nor shoes nor poetry, but he was nimble in the calling of selling houses for more than people could afford to pay. (laughs) And that's, that's on page two of Babbitt. And to me... The amazing thing about Babbitt is it took place in 1920, written in 1922. It's 100 years ago. And you could say the exact same thing about society today people who do the most worthless things make the most money.
0: And you say real estate is one of those things.
1: There's no question. Real estate is the biggest scam on the planet. (laughs) <laughs> right? It's like, it's like the mafia. They're taking 6% off of every transaction, right? And, and there's no real way to sell your house without a real estate agent. So you're just, you're paying tribute, you're paying protection to these real estate agents who let you sell the house. <laughs> you got to clear it with the, the Caballo family first, yeah. right? What, I mean, what are real estate agents? There's two kinds of real estate agents, right? There's either rich guy's wives, or unemployed men. For the most part, uh, this is who goes into real estate, right? Yeah. Because it isn't Sorry. really a job. And if you're a rich guy's wife, you just, you know, sit around pretty homes all day. And if you're unemployed, you say you're you say you're a real estate agent, so you're not actually unemployed. You're a real estate agent.
0: <laughs> isn't that amazing that you can go to college and I don't want to digress too far. You can go to college and get your marketing degree so that you can earn the right to sell plumbing supplies at a company. But you don't have to go to college. You can just get certified and sell all these homes. Doesn't that sound like an oxymoron a little bit?
1: Well, it's, um, you know, know, we're living in hell. The theme continues throughout everything. (laughs) I have a couple of other um, Babbitt uh, quotes for you. Um, Babbitt likes uh, three kinds of films. That's what they used to call movies. Pretty Pretty bathing girls with bare legs. Policemen or cowboys and an industrious shooting of revolvers and funny fat men who ate spaghetti. Now, if you look at the movies today, pretty girls, tough guys with guns and silliness, right? I mean, it's 100 years humanity has advanced, not one iota, right? And, And one of the things I find fascinating about it is you're reading what it was like 100 years ago. And, you know, there's no improvement in
0: humanity whatsoever. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're lucky, you get all three of those elements in one movie and you got a blockbuster. Yeah, that's why I never watch movies and people
1: mock me. And I don't know what what I was saying this morning, but I was trying to say something about Luke Starwalker. And, of course, I've never seen the movie. And my boys are like, you can't talk about it if you've never seen the movie. And I bet there was an industrious shooting of laser beams. That's all I'm guessing. And some pretty girls.
0: Yeah, a few pretty girls and you got you got Luke Starkiller, right? Whatever his
1: name was. <laughs> sure, sure. So here's another one. Uh, so the thing about Babbitt is he was phenomenally hypocritical, as all humans are. And a lot of the book is Babbitt's self-talk. And when you okay. listen to the self-talk of Babbitt, if you have awareness... You can hear yourself. So here he is, uh, he's he's smoking a cigar on the way to work. And he says, he stopped smoking at least once a month. He went through with it like a solid citizen he was. Admitted the evils of tobacco, courageously made resolves, laid out plans to check the vice, right? Tapered off his allowance of cigars, expounded on the pleasures of virtuousness to everyone he met. He did everything in fact, except stop smoking right and to me <laughs> you know the, the whole book is written and, written that way and it's it, you know it is a an insult to it's it's a beautiful critique not an insult it's a
0: critique of human nature yeah well i i think you're right and i'm just sitting here thinking and listening to you talk And I think maybe the biggest punchline to our podcast to this up to this point is that McIntyre is Babbitt, right? See, there's
1: the thing. And this is what I used to tell the students on the first day of class. I'm asking you to read Babbitt. It's written by Sinclair Lewis, the first American to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. It's still on Harvard's reading list. There's cliff notes of it. It is considered one of the greatest classics. So written by a, you know, a Nobel laureate, you, you start reading Babbitt, <laughs> excuse me, and on page 20, you're like, you know, this sucks. Well, you know, they're <laughs> reading it at Harvard. He won the Nobel Prize. There's two possibilities. The book sucks or you suck, right? And, and I'm going <laughs> to suggest it is the latter, not, not the former. So the thing is this, and this is why I'm thinking about having a class and bringing Babbitt, excuse me, bringing Babbitt back. Because if you were training to be an athlete and I told you, you got a great plan, get up late, sit on the sofa, have Doritos for breakfast, drink a lot of Coke and Pepsi. And uh, you know, if you get the mood, work out 30 minutes. Like how the hell are you gonna be an Olympic athlete, right? So if you're always right. gonna read a book you like, you're not going to be a better person i mean it's got to be a little bit of suffering and the thing is i believe if you suffer through this book and you try somewhere around
0: the middle you will start laughing um hysterically well that's just like our pod i mean a couple podcasts that we've done i forget if it was one or multiple but we talk about the 10 psychological traits that make people less su- or suck less i'm sorry And you just get this self-awareness and then you, and then another one is you start to laugh about it and then it might be sad or, you know, unfortunate, but then you laugh through it and you're better. Exactly.
1: If Babbitt read Babbitt, what would Babbitt say? This is the most boring thing in the world. If on the other hand, you enjoy reading Babbitt and you say to yourself, oh my God, I'm Babbitt. You're actually a lot less of Babbitt than average, right? Because the average person is not going to read Babbitt and be amused. So here's another quote from Babbitt. It says, thus, it came to him merely to run away was folly, because he could never run away from himself, right? And I think we had our quote that said, you know, people who feel are miserable and people who think about, you know, reality laugh. Because, you know, we are ridiculously absurd human beings. And, and, you know, Babbitt started to get the self-awareness. So actually what happens to Babbitt is, you know, he's, a, he's an ordinary non-thinking person. And then somewhere around the middle of the book, he decides to take a foray into thinking for himself and pursuing what he really wants to do. And immediately, okay. so immediately... He's thrown out of his social group. People think he's a crank. They stop going to his real estate firm. His entire, you know, his entire life essentially unravels because you have to play the game of the human being with your brain turned off or it's going to be miserable.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're definitely encapsulating the whole idea of this podcast And the idea of your class, you know, in turn, right? And I always think, there when I took your class um, a year or two ago now, there was a girl that would always raise her hand every time and ask you questions. And she was your big contention. And you would say things like, you know, you'll think and you'll feel and you'll be miserable, but that's what you prefer. And she would always say, I don't want to think and I don't prefer it. And you would contest her and say, but you are thinking now, you know, you are pushing yourself. And all the while she was saying, well, I wish I didn't, you know, I wish I didn't feel, I wish I could just go through life, you know, with my brain turned off because then, you know, and, and to go along with Babbitt so people could keep going to her real estate firm and she wouldn't lose her social circles and that things could just be hunky dory. She
1: was the greatest. She was miserable and she wanted to be happy and she was grown up enough to know or worldly enough. I don't know if anyone ever, you know, not everyone grows up to, it wasn't a good word she was worldly enough to know that her thinking is what caused her to be miserable but she was constantly thinking because she was constantly interrupting my lecture to ask me questions and and what she basically (laughs) said is i don't want to think i just want to be happy but but you but you can't and what i think is there's different kinds of happiness and i know we're always thinking of topics we should do one on the different i got other theories on happiness but the kind of You know, happiness that comes from a fulfilled life where you feel like I'm fulfilled, I lived, comes from awareness and suffering and looking clear-eyed at your problems and figuring out how to solve them. So I'm actually, I'm not having too bad of a time here at the pandemic. I'm making lists of problems in my life on my list, and I'm trying to figure out how to get them (laughs) resolved. And it's a very good feeling. And, of course, it's got to be a big problem. It's got to be a worthwhile problem. But you get those problems solved, and it's like, bam, I feel a little bit good about myself. It's a kind of happiness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can definitely empathize. I've been in projects around my house here in Stillwater, and all I had to do was raise the bar in my shower to keep the curtain from dragging in the water. And I fixed it, and I felt like I was on top of the world.
1: so let me give you another Babbitt uh, Babbitt quote here. He says, "This one's it's it's, I mean, it's written a little bit, you know, in an old uh, you know an older style of writing, but it's phenomenally clever." And you know, I'm a little dyslexic, so I don't read it very well. But let me try because it's a little bit longer one. So we, so this is Babbitt talking. But I knew, but I okay. do know that about ten times as many people find their lives dull and unnecessarily dull as ever admit it. And I do believe that if we bust it out and admitted it sometimes, instead of being nice and patient and loyal for 60 years and then nice and patient and dead for the rest of eternity, why maybe, possibly, we might make life
0: more fun. Okay, put that into a five-year-old terms so for So what
1: he's basically saying is nobody you know, wants to admit their life is dull, or if they, if they do say their life is dull, they don't tell you how dull it is, right? So we never admit it, and we never really, so we don't, I mean, we can do a spoiler alert, right? The punchline of the book, I'll, I'll get to in a second. So let me, let me try to finish. So what he's saying is, instead of being nice and being patient and loyal to what society wants us to do, if you actually did what you wanted to do, Whatever you got out of it, it would be worth it. So when Babbitt tries to go off and do what he wants to do, he becomes miserable. He loses all of his friends. He's, he's, he's friendless. He's left in the, in the void. And he essentially, he can't take it. So he comes back, right? He, he, he says he you know lost his mind for a little bit. He basically goes back into the routine of
0: the dull life going along with the ideas that you're supposed to have.
1: Do
0: you think that's common for people that some people will come and they'll think for themselves for a while and realize this this is overrated and just kind of fall back in line? Do you think well, that's people common? Say,
1: bad? It's boring because they don't th- they don't even know what the hell that paragraph meant. we are like, what do you mean? Do you mean it's <laughs> dull. I'm not dull. Well, that's what he's telling us. It is dull. And you're not admitting that it's dull. You can't possibly, you know, be such a simple person that you're amused by pretty girls and bullets flying. I mean, it's just not possible that that's all there is to your life is watching pretty people shooting each other and kissing on movies. There's got to be more to it than that. But they don't want to admit it. And that's what he's telling us in that paragraph. Nobody wants to admit it. But if we did admit it, right? So that's my thing, right? Like I always say to my class, I'm not happy until you're not happy. Right. As soon as I make you unhappy, <laughs> what, what I basically mean is when I give you awareness, you'll start seeing and then you can wallow in the pain of existence and figure out a way to deal with it. And then when it's time to die, you will find that you lived your life because you struggled with reality instead of shutting out reality and pretending it was OK.
0: That's what is about. It, it's Sorry. truly that no, I was going to say that's truly fascinating, and unless you have another cherry on top, I think that's the perfect way to end it, because I have a copy of Babbitt sitting on my shelf collecting dust, and I need to go read it. I feel like well, i got to do it right let's, now. Um,
1: let's just give a um, spoiler alert and tell people if yeah, you're going see. to you know, read Babbitt and you want to be surprised, don't listen, because I'm going to read the end of Babbitt to you, but I would argue even if you're going to read Babbitt, um, this will make you more want to um, read it, right? So it's, it's, you need a spoiler alert, but it's not going to ruin it for you because it's not an adventure story where someone's going to get shot. So what happens <laughs> is um, Babbitt's son wants to, car. It's, it's 1920, so cars are new. And Babbitt's son wants to be a mechanic and he doesn't want to go to college. And Babbitt went to college and Babbitt wants his son to go to college because you're supposed to go to college. And I'm sitting there in college talking to a room full of people <laughs> who don't necessarily want to be in college. But society right. told you, you had to go. Most of those kids sitting there, if the truth were known and they hadn't been you know, numbed into a, you know, a uh, I was gonna say numbed into a numbed existence, That's that, that didn't come out very well. But if they weren't numb, they would know what they really want to do And they could go off and do it they're they're 18 19 20 year old the prime of energy enthusiasm and creativity but they're sitting in college which basically is beating you into this um conformity that you will live through like babbitt so babbitt's son doesn't want to do it he's fascinated with cars they're brand new he wants to go work as a mechanic at a car factory so this is the very end of the book and, and Babbitt says, uh, well, Babbitt crossed the floor slowly. Um, I've always wanted you to go to college uh, and have a college degree, Babbitt says to his son. Um, he stamped across the floor, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, but I've never, now for heaven's sakes, don't repeat this to your mother or she'd remove what little hair I've got less, left. But practically, I've never done a single thing I've wanted to in my whole life. I don't knows I've accomplished anything except to get along. I figure out I've made about a quarter of an inch out of a possible hundred rods. Well, maybe you'll carry things further. I don't know, but I do get a kind of sneaking pleasure out of the fact that you knew what you wanted to do and you did it. And he tells him to go in there and tell his family, society, and even, you know, the forces of, I'm sorry, his his family, the city, and the forces of society that he's going to do it. He says, go ahead, old man, the world is yours. And he basically tells his son to go do what you want to do. And that, I think, you know, if, if you force yourself to plow through Babbitt, you will see we're not looking at reality life is
0: dull and we could go do what we really want to do i love it i think one we'll it right there i got to go pick it up off my shelf and for just ideas my name's andy and that was andy